Uh, so Mr. Jazzy Jeff, welcome to London. What's yes. uh, different about playing the city? Um, what's different? Well, London, London just has a vibe. Mm-hmm. London always has a vibe. Yeah. And when you've played places that you know a lot of people, you have mm-hmm. a lot of friends yeah. um, that you know people get used to you coming here it's kind of like home you know this is this is kind of like the stop on the tour that you kind of like you feel like you're going home a little bit so are you a kendrick fan very yeah um so recently he was the first non-classical artist to win the pulitzer prize for music um but he was snubbed at the grammys and bruno mars the more populist of the bunch won the grammy uh, do you think that hip-hop artistry still has a long way to go to be fully accepted in the popular world um, I think it's always going to have a ways to go. Um, I take absolutely, positively nothing away from Bruno Mars. So to you, in terms of like a hip hop spectrum, it's all, it's all the same. Like there isn't, uh, like Bruno's still doing his thing and also Kendrick's doing his thing. It's all on the same level field as such. Yes. So yeah. I don't, I don't, I didn't look at it. I think, um. You know, this year at the Grammys, it mm. was more personal preference with people. I okay. don't think Bruno winning, he wasn't deserving. Just like I didn't think if Kendrick won, he wouldn't have been deserving. Okay. You know, it just kind of gets to the point that it's kind of like, you know, this was the year that I felt like music was good. Okay. You know, to the point that, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm cool with either one of them winning because both of them are very deserving. That's so true, because I guess like music's such a subjective art form, and what's good to me, what's good to you, and what's good to Steve is so so different, right? There's no right or wrong, but no. yeah, it's just it's just really interesting. Uh, but that brings me on to the next question: was when you first won your rap Grammy, and then you boycotted it for last year uh, for a long time. Um, has the stigma associated with hip hop music? Uh, what was it like then? And do the new school artists have it a lot easier now? Um, well, back then, it wasn't respected enough okay. for yeah. them to kind of acknowledge it. And that's mm-hmm. what we were upset about. You know, we were more upset at the fact that if you have nine country and Western categories and you'll televise them, why won't you televise the one, you know, rap yeah. category? Yeah. Um, so that's what we're really pushing. So they didn't um, they didn't televise it. All the rest got televised, but yes. not you, not rap. No. And it was the first year, but it was still kind of like when you look at the importance of all of the music that held just as much importance as the country western. So what? who else was around you when you guys were coming up, I guess? Like- the Salt and Pepper, yeah. Kid and Play, mm. um, Public Enemy. It was a, you know, it was a bunch of artists. And I think we yeah. were all excited because this was the first year that the Grammy acknowledged it. And you're fighting for legitimacy. There was a period in time that people, you know, kept saying that hip hop wasn't going to be around. So you're fighting to try to prove people wrong. So for a big, you know, it's almost kind of like, okay, we're going to give you your big moment, you know, your big deserving moment, but we're just not going to show everybody. So it was almost like a slap in the face. So, do you think it was a step like you guys took the hit for a bigger, a bigger cause? Absolutely, absolutely. It was just, it was really to just cause awareness to the the academy for them to understand yeah. that maybe we should pay more attention to it. What do you think of the current state of hip hop and the mainstream transition away from storytelling? Like, I guess you have a lot of new school artists which are more around like the hooks and there's less of uh less of a focus on on stories as such you know what i've i've said hip-hop and all music have gone through a massive transformation Mm -hmm. that's what's in now but that's not the only thing that's out there like when i say that's what's in that's what 
the radio stations or commercial radio pl- tends to play. Okay. They don't play the other stuff. It's yeah. not like that's not out there. You know, Kendrick is not that type of artist. J. Cole is not that type of artist. But you don't see Kendrick and J. Cole being played as much as some of the other ones. So it's just, you know, I think radio and commercial, you know, the commercialization of hip hop is the part that follows trends and it's kind of like we may just follow this and just neglect all the rest of this but that that's still there when you guys back in the day were the first artists to bridge the gap between hip-hop music and celebrity status uh what's the what was the transition like going from like hip-hop artists to actors and comedians like was that was that intense or you know what you don't you don't feel it when you're doing it you know it's it's when when Will pretty much got into television because someone looked at the Parents Just Don't Understand video and realized that he could act. Just be, what in terms of his like his acting skills? Or? That that was it. Okay, like right you know, here. people yeah. people who can act can sense when someone can act. Like it's kind of like if I'm a musician or a producer, I know when someone is good, mm-hmm. even when the rest of the world doesn't know. I'm like, oh my god, he's yeah. really good. And I think that's basically what happened. So it wasn't so much of a transformation it was just kind of like they want me to do this i'm gonna go and i'm gonna do you know this over here and that just happened to become incredibly huge yeah that was huge um when it when it kind of when he was blowing up and when he was doing the acting thing and then you were on the show as well mm-hmm. um was did that come naturally to you that or was, did- that was a 100 natural the part that people don't realize is when you're filming a television show it's a hundred people there we're used to being on stage for thirty thousand people <laughs> yeah, so a yeah. hundred people this kind of like okay this is easy right. you don't pay attention that there are millions of people that are going to watch it so you, you don't see the you don't see the export as such you see the immediate that's it the room, okay. that's it so yeah. that's where the comfort came in yeah Awesome. I'm personally interested about like the fashion game back then, and it's kind of had a huge revival mm-hmm. recently. Um, what are some fundamentals to teach the juniors about like what you guys were rocking back then in terms of like were there principles or were there brands or? You yeah. know what? It's it's fashion is a funny thing because one person can wear something that will catch someone's eye, and then that becomes the trend. Like someone has to start it. It's not a thing that a brand necessarily starts it. You know, it's it's an individual who takes something that a brand makes and wears it, which causes a chain reaction. Yeah. Um, and it was just kind of like you know, it, it was. You know, okay, I'm going to buy a pair of Levi jeans. I'm probably yeah. a Levi 501 jeans, and I'm going to roll one pants leg up, and I'm going to have some colorful socks and some Jordans. Yeah. Somebody does that, and somebody's like, yo, that's kind of hot. I'm going to do the same thing. And then next thing you know, that becomes the trend. Okay, so there wasn't like a... Like a, I guess like a rule book of like no. colors to wear or brands no. to wear. Or no, like, like you know, yeah. because understand, just as much good stuff as you saw, there were some bad ones. <laughs> yeah. There were some people that wore some stuff that was kind of like, that doesn't work. But you know, when you guys were doing your thing, did you have stylists and all that kind no. of stuff? It was no. just you guys was doing your thing. Us. It was just us. You yeah. know, it was just kind of like yeah. certain brands that you wore, certain sneakers that you wore. Yeah. And then, you know what? The funny thing, what especially kind of, kind of in the, in the yeah. States. Yeah. 
it was very territorial. You know, Philly had a certain way that we dressed. New York had a certain way that we dressed. But if you go two hours south to Washington, D.C., they were very clean. They would wear like the fila suits with the filas and the way that they wore their hair. And then if you went to D.C. and you saw that, then next thing you know, it's like, yo, I'm going to buy me a fila suit. And then when you wear it in Philly, everybody's kind of like, wow, that's (laughs) really, you know, but that's how fashion kind of moves. So, you know, that's, we were picking up fashion just from people and going different places and seeing how different people, you know, from their hair to their clothes. I guess the next area is about your collaboration process with uh, Chasing Goosebumps. Mm -hmm. And like, to me, that's amazing. I'm a big Eric Lau fan. Yes. So like to have everyone in the room and a different way of working to put out music, like were you the mastermind behind that? Or Yeah. And so did you have an epiphany and you were like, Right, I'm gonna get all these guys to come stay, and then we're gonna make this music. Well, because I feel like in the digital age, a lot of it's just like web files being transferred and all that. So, can you tell us about um, the ethos behind that, chasing goosebumps? A big part of yeah. what I don't like about mm. the music today is mm. that we have lost the art of collaboration. Everybody has their own laptop, so everybody has their own studio, mm. and everybody stays inside of their own box. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me that he was like, you know, back in the day, I missed mm-hmm. when you had the big studio that yeah. everybody just came to. It was like, we all had one place that we would go, one place that we would meet, yeah. and this is where we would make music mm-hmm. because now everybody's got their own studio. So now it's yeah. like, no, I want you to come to my house. No, I want you to come to my house. And no one ever gets together and make music. Mm-hmm. So once we started, we started having these big jam sessions that you know, Eric would come and Kitey would come and James would come and yeah. Daniel Crawford would come and Tall Black Guy would come and you would just put all these people in a room well. and we would just yeah. make music yeah. that when the next time it came to have a jam session, we were kind of like, you know what, let's put a purpose behind it. Let's let's figure out. Yeah. So when it was kind of like, you know what, we know when we all get in a room on an average day, we'll make 30 songs just, like, boom, just boom, because boom. you yeah. have this world class yeah. of musicianship. We'll just make songs. It's almost like a typewriter. We're typing and slide it back and typing and slide it back. So because we knew that we had that level of output, it was kind of like, yo, it would be cool if we could make an entire album in a week. And, you know, because we were going to do this without documenting. It was just kind of like, hey, this is what we want to do. And then it was like, yo, I really think people would like to see that. Mm. Um, And that's how the documentation kind of came about. But it was just really you know what? I'm picking up the phone and I'm going to call all of these incredible songwriters and these singers. That everybody, yeah. Boys and girls. Yeah, pretty it? much. Yeah. You know. And it just happened organically because I guess like in a lot of way, in a lot of worlds, like ways of working is such a new thing. And with the digital age, yeah, everyone's just sharing files and it's craziness. But having a process like that, it's kind of crazy having people all crash with you. Were yeah. they staying with you? Or? Yeah. Yeah. Like we, you know, we had, f- yeah. because if you put musicians in a room and give them a place to sleep and give them food, yeah. that's all they need. That's all they need. Okay. That's that's all they need. They don't need anything else. Mm-hmm. Like to the point of before we started, everyone came in maybe about four days early okay. to just kind of get ready and acclimated yeah. and just hang out. And it took 20 minutes after everybody there and the studio was packed and everybody started making music already and it was kind of like it's not ready yet we're not let's not start you know but it was kind of like you can't have a studio and musicians and ask them to stay out so I guess with Serato and digital making mixing essentially like point and shoot no 
Well, I don't know. I know you disagree with that, but what do you think the DJ of the future looks like and what are the fundamentals that still stay strong? Well, one of the things that I always say is the only thing that Serato made easier is carrying your music. Like if you couldn't DJ before Serato, Serato doesn't allow you to be able to DJ. But so for me, for instance, I love music and I can do it, but with the sync button, like it makes life a lot easier, you know? The sync button helps, but the sync button doesn't pick records for you. So you listen, you can sync. Yeah. two records together and that just doesn't go and it sounds really bad okay right yeah. so the one thing yeah. that i've always said is yeah. the fundamental yeah. aspect of djing mm. and picking music and being a selector there's not a piece of technology that will ever be able to do that for you okay so yeah. you know i don't care what kind of algorithm yeah. they'll never make an algorithm that can read a wrong you know that okay this isn't the right to play in this room and do you think that's the human aspect that's all yeah that's always the human aspect it's kind of like you can hear the difference in a collaboration in someone who does something by themselves you know I, I look at it like someone who works by themselves is cooking a meal with one season Okay. And someone who collaborate is adding a bunch of different spices into the meal. That is, it's, you're going to always get a more robust flavor the more stuff that you add. It's beautiful. What's your biggest creative uh, influence and how is it manifested in your work? I think the, the more that I'm here, mm-hmm. I realize that I try to take it back to the first day that I started. Because the first day that I started, it was about my love for music. And unfortunately, when you have a love for music or a talent for music, then all these other things kind of come in. The Mm -hmm. the money aspect comes in, the success aspect comes in, the business aspect comes in. Mm -hmm. And I think what you feel, what you start to see is people start to lose lose the love for music. And I think the older that I've gotten, you start to understand why did I start in the first place? And if you just strip everything back to yeah. how it was when you first started, mm-hmm. especially with the experience uh, and the knowledge that you have, but mm-hmm. going back to this is something that I'm doing solely for the love of it, then that's where it's at. That's it. That's Amazing. it. Uh, so what advice has uh, have you been given that has resonated with you? And knowing what you know now, what insight would you share with developing artists? I think... Uh, uh, well, it, from the advice is not necessarily musical advice. Yeah, I think it's just sure. kind of like to make sure you pay attention to every day. If someone told me that I only had 100 days left to live, I would live all 100 of those days to the fullest. But I don't know if I have 10. <laughs> yeah. So why not live every day to the fullest if you don't know? And that goes, that encompasses music, life, and everything else. Okay. That it's just like, you know what? Yeah. I want to get as much music in me out. You know, it makes no sense to kind of hoard it and hold it inside. You want to kind of get it out. The crazy thing about advice giving to someone else, I don't like giving out music advice Mm -hmm. um, because the music advice that I would give sometimes doesn't apply Mm -hmm. to the changing world of music. So I don't want to give someone advice that it doesn't necessarily work. I think, you know, you need to ask yourself a very difficult question and and understand that answer Mm -hmm. is going to change. And that is, what are you doing this for? Are you doing this for the for your love of music? Are you doing this because you want to get rich? Are you doing this because you want girls? Are you doing this? Because none of those answers are wrong. Mm-hmm. It's only wrong when you lie to yourself. So it's just kind of like yeah. figure out 
what you want because there's a lot of people I know mm -hmm. that got into it because I really, really love music. And then all of a sudden success came and money came and then it's like I really love the success yeah. and the money and the music becomes second and then the music becomes third. And then, you know, yeah. so it's kind of like paying attention to your surroundings and understanding what you want to do. When you know where you want to go, it's easier to get there. You know, it's kind of hard jumping in an Uber saying, can you take me somewhere? Where do you want to go? I really don't know. It's yeah. kind of like the driver has no idea of where you want to go. So mm -hmm. find out where you want your Uber ride yeah, to end and figure out how to get there. Does music as a whole bring uh, like wellness to you? Like, is it therapeutic or? Absolutely. Absolutely. Like all, you know, there's, there's music is almost a part of every fabric of my life. Um, music yeah. is what I play to my kids. We yeah. play music in the morning. Mm -hmm. My kids wake up to music. Their alarm clock is music. So it's got, it's got amazing therapeutic factors. Well, yeah, because you know what, especially in making music, because if I'm sad, I can make music to reflect that. You know, if I'm happy, I can make yeah. music to reflect that. I have an album that I made to clean my house right. that no one hears. That is just <laughs> yeah. kind of like when I want to vacuum, yeah. I can put my my album on. What is it? And is I, it your personal stuff? It's my personal stuff. Right. You know, like yeah. every piece of music that I make isn't for everyone. It's There's for some stuff that I make that I'm kind of like, yo, this is mine. Is it beat, what, beats heavy? or Beats, yeah. melodic. Is, yeah. You know, I love the fact that whatever you feel, you know, I have folders of music. Well, based on emotions. Or yep. I have folders of music based off of locations that I'm at that I can look in these folders and this yeah. will say London cloudy day London yeah. you know yeah. and depending on me looking outside I'm like okay I want to make something that yeah. makes me feel like today okay that's interesting on a whole like your music you and Will had like a real positive impact on the world mm -hmm. and you had like <clears throat> other artists that were in similar kinds of spaces that had more of a derogatory kind of influence as such like, what are your views on like positivity, and is that something that you were conscious of, or was it like indirect? That was indirect. That was indirect. Like people who make different music, we all came from the same neighborhood. We all saw the same stuff. It was nothing different. It was just we chose to talk about this. They chose to talk about this. Mm -hmm. Just as much as they understand what we talk about, we understand what they're talking about. Okay, right. And what I think the beauty of music mm -hmm. is it gives you the ability to say whatever you want. Like, I love that. I love yeah. that. Yeah. Like, everybody isn't happy all of the time. That's true. You know, and, and it's kind of like yeah. if you're not, you know, it's not right to be like, oh, I mean, you should be more positive or you should be for this yeah. is kind of like this is my outlet and I'm yeah. getting out what my emotions are. Amazing. This is the last question and it's what I ask a lot of people. But, um, I guess, how do you want the Magnificence uh, legacy to be remembered? Um, I don't think I think about that. You don't think about it? Yeah. I don't think I think about that at all. I think yeah. I am in the middle of a movie that I have no idea how this movie is going to end. Um, and I always feel like once you start putting emphasis on the ending, you're pretty much there. And I'm kind of like... Yeah. But okay, uh, Jazzy Jeff, thanks for talking to Let's Be Brief. Yes. And peace. I appreciate it. Yeah, nice one. Yes.